So don't wait. Call now. 800-399-8234. 800-399-8234. Just pay shipping and handling. Is it time for your business to pay it back? Hello, I'm William Eastman, executive producer of Richmond Biz Live. And if this is your challenge as a business owner, then don't miss a single show. Either listen live at 10 o'clock every Saturday on WLEE News Talk 990 or download our podcast at richmondbizlive.com. Every show, we tackle those issues in marketing, sales, people, customers, and finance that are limiting your success. If it's time to get paid back for your years of investment and sacrifice, join us this Saturday at 10 o'clock for Richmond Biz Live. This is the time, this is the place, and you're the person. Welcome to the studios of WLEE News Talk 990 from beautiful downtown Richmond. Even though it's overcast, we could use the rain. This is Richmond Biz Live, a business information show dedicated to business owners and entrepreneurs looking for the payoff. And why this show? Well, Richmond, like most communities, is very good at creating um, help, the needed help for entrepreneurs and startups, things like incubators and uh, programs like uh, uh, Gangplank here in the Richmond area. But there's really nothing out there for the existing business, the entrepreneur who has been running and slaving for a number of years, and he's looking for the payoff. And that's our that's our difference. We are your only... Ask two questions. That's applicable to customer satisfaction. When you do a satisfaction survey, you ask two questions only. How sat- On a scale of 1 to 10, how satisfied are you with our the service you recently received? Right. And number two, would you refer us to a friend or family member? That's all you do. And then there's a formula. We won't okay. go into that today. We might come back to that because we've got okay. some other things we is, need is to that, Is that anything like a, a clout score? Uh, you know, because social media got clout, well, which kind of gives you an evaluation. That might be. It's. I think it's a little bit different. Supply chain, I thought, was interesting. And that's probably a hot button for you. Carrying cost of inventory, inventory turnover, order tracking, I guess where you're tracking a product through the supply chain, either inbound to your manufacturing facility or outbound okay. if you're wholesale delivering yeah. to the customers. In fact, supply chain is exactly what I'm in the middle of right now. Uh, yeah. in, in, in terms of where I'm at the plant is we've got the floor together, and now I'm focused on the installation. You know, we make it, now we right. got to put it in, and I'm right. focused and on the beginning for what was on the whole supply chain management because we're not, I'm not going to say we're doing a bad job. What I'm going to say is that we're not managing the supply chain. Okay. So let me give you a couple more. Call center. Um, so call center is a specific, a telephone answering company is a specific industry. But if you have customer service mm-hmm. or help desk or anything, you're running sort of call center. They have some interesting ones. Billable minutes per labor hour. Um, call abandonment and average handle time. In help desk, they measure ticket analysis or the ticket queue. In insurance, it can be the claims ratio. Average cost per claim is financial. Um, average time to settle. So there's a time measurement for a key performance indicator in the insurance industry that is okay. going to have ultimately a financial impact. Yeah, and I and, and I can see that. Uh, reta- re- retail, incremental sales. So that's or or, or um, where location of customers. So you know they always ask you, what's your zip code? May I put in your zip code? Because they're trying to figure out, map their sales results and their. That, that, that's right. Ask the customer for a minimum amount of information, but yeah. you've got to have enough. Otherwise, you, know, you, you can't. The decisions you need to make. That's right. And again, right. that's a key performance indicator, but it's not financial in nature. Billy, I was going to ask you a question, but you look like you're tied up. But I was going to say, how about broadcast? 
Are there any special ratios in broadcasting? Uh, well, dead air is probably your biggest thing. No matter what happens, you've got to be ready to talk at a moment's notice, provided you can. Uh, the things like streaming and stuff now, if you have a problem with your internet, like apparently we had a glitch about a moment ago, uh, you get people calling you going, what happened, what happened? Because anytime you go more than like five seconds with nothing on the air, mm -hmm. it starts freaking people out. They think something's wrong. They have to look at the radio to see if you're on exactly. the air. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, and you, and you never want that. So like if you get something, like a lot of times you'll be here and like someone will hand you something. Oh my gosh, you got to read this now. Mm -hmm. You've got to very quickly be able to process yep. that and just, just read it without, without you reading without it first because yeah. you don't have time That's to do that. You've got to be a monkey. So if I take, boil that down, it might be on-air errors. Or air, on air error rate might be an interesting broadcasting. Keep Certainly, because the trick in radio is it's not about making a mistake; it's how quickly you can recover. Because most mistakes, people never notice you make right, them and act like it didn't happen. Exactly. Um, I heard some interesting ones for construction. One was uh, number of hangers installed per day. So when they're running conduit and electrical or ductwork okay. in air conditioning, you've got hangers that you shoot, and that's the the thing that can slow you down. So if you um, measure how fast are are the technicians installing those hangers per day and you right. set some goals then you have a pretty good idea about bringing that job in on time and within right. your labor budget right and 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 again every industry is different I, when you put it that way i'm thinking about i was thinking about with ours is how many cabinets have been installed oh, right. uh per hour or per day right. how many uh where do we stand on the punch list in fact, I'm working on that right now on our install team. So it's interesting. This conversation has got me thinking about what are the three or four. And the deal here is the fewer, the better. Yes. On that's the KPIs. A good, that's a great point. And it's the things that really end up where a small change in this metric or this business activity and business behavior is going to have a bigger impact on the financials and the overall results. That's right. Those are the ones you want to capture. Um, let me give you another one. My brother, you, you met him when he took his trip to Canada and offended all the natives. That's <laughs> right. Know. My beloved brother in Denver. Well, um, he introduced me. He was working for a data cabling company installing, and he developed the three-minute jack. He created for himself a system where he could just move from jack to jack to jack. I guess it was the punch-down part of the process. And we talked about that. What a great thing if you could uh, do a video to show other installers how to do that and a company could use that in a big hospital or public school where they're having to put that data cabling in every single room and you've got short windows usually that you can work and you get your team so that each guy isn't doing it his own way but you have a system Th and that right. becomes a metric based on the number of installs you have for this work day mm -hmm. um, it, or b based on three minutes meeting our standard you would install this many and you can begin to, to figure out who's strong, who's weak, who needs training, who needs to go. That's right. And 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 again, it's uh is the it, the fewer the better because mm -hmm. typically there's only one or two things that if you captured uh you would you basically would get almost the entire picture. Exactly. Exactly. So, we want our listeners and uh, I think Billy was going to tell us that you can't say out there and listeners and so forth. The, well, don't, you don't have to explain, okay, yeah, but I'm just going to tell them. To. So I guess I should just say, our listener. So, Rich, if you're out there and you want to call in with, with a, an unusual KPI, for our, that would be great. Um, and, oh, hospitals, medical care. That was a yeah. great one. Some of their KPIs that they recommended, uh, time to service, minutes in the ER, and we see the billboards. I don't know right. whether that's cropping up all over the country. Yes, it is. Okay. 
where you you drive by and it says 13 minutes wait time in the ER. But I'm driving because everything's okay. The person with the problem isn't driving by the billboard. I'm not sure how that works. Right, right. Because more than likely, I'm not going to the waiting room. But it's an right. interesting piece of marketing when it says yes. 12 minutes yes. is your waiting time. Because everyone's perception is unless you're bleeding profusely, you're going to have a long wait in the emergency. Also, it says how technologically advanced they are because what you're assuming is that they're doing something and they changed it immediately. So it actually represents right. what's going on. It's real time. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. When you can, if you can have cool, real time KPI, and then they can manage their intake staff and other personnel with the average has been going up. That's not acceptable. Are you not following the system, people? Wake up. Right. Um, and another one that was interesting in the medical industry was bed occupancy rate, which also could be applied to the hotel industry. Mm-hmm. So this is where they go. Um, what level of effort does it take to get an organization to use a useful one? I'll bet it's like turning a behemoth around. You, you know, you know what what pops into my head when you said that is just map the process out, and it will. If you just map it out in general terms, we do mm. this, we do this, we do this, we do this. Let's say you come up with five, six things. The KPIs will jump at you, and then it'll be a matter of of condensing it down to the one or two. That's great. So that's a house. So we've met our that part. So let right. me give them three things. Um, Here are the three great reasons that you really should consider using KPIs um, more thoughtfully than perhaps you're doing, and that would be team building. The idea is with KPIs, everyone can see his or her contribution, and they compare themselves to their coworkers. Um, I loved it when you said in one of our seasons you talked about you get them to post their results on the wall. That's right. Personally. The next thing, the fairness, and what I'm talking about there is performance evaluations can become more objective makes it easier for you and your managers to deliver um, a message, good, bad, or indifferent. And um, it makes it easier for the employees to hear because there's some, everybody's being held to the same standard. Right. It, goes, it kind of eliminates that worry about favoritism. And then predictive, and that's what I call the periscope factor, of being able to see around corners because business activities happen before any money changes hands. And when you're measuring, looking at financials, you're looking in the rearview mirror. But with these business activities, when you start watching what's going on, over time you can see patterns. And you right. can also map that to financials. That's what we do for our clients so that you can um, see the patterns that are emerging, what are going to be the future effects on cash flow. So, so Linda, how do people get in touch with you? I am Linda Heath, Financial Holographics on the web. I'm on the website for the radio show. We solve business mysteries with math, and uh, we are offering that free consult. We're participating in your free consult. If they'll call okay. into the show anytime, say, the next three sessions, we will offer that Okay, consult. then we'll run this next available. week. And I have a, a report that will knock their socks off. Awesome, because you have 31 minutes if you want to talk to us. So with that, thank you, Linda. This is WLE News Talk 990. The show is Richmond Biz Live. The number is 844-249-5483, and we'll be back. Mike Carroll of Sandler Training here in Richmond. Do you know the three most commonly made sales mistakes? Are you or your salespeople at fault? Visit focusbusiness.sandler.com to download your free report, the three biggest sales mistakes you should never make. In this report, discover these unprotective sales strategies and what to do about them. Finally, take the pressure out of selling and reach your desired sales result. Visit focusbusiness.sandler.com to download your copy now. People are always looking to invest in a good opportunity. So what if you could invest in the future of kids, like a stock? Not the kind of stock that's about making money. 
but a stock for social change called Better Futures. With your investment, it helps students like me go to college. My name is Charles, and I'm your dividend. Invest in Better Futures with UNCF. Visit uncf.org slash invest. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, but a wonderful thing to invest in. Brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. And we're back. This is Richmond Biz Live or richmondbizlive.com, 844-249-5483 or 844.bizlive. And we're back here in the studios of WLE News Talk 990 in beautiful downtown Richmond, overcast and rainy, but still beautiful. And now we move on to segment two and our thought leader. And the first time with us is Patrick Carroll from Focus Business, part of the Sandler Organization. Good morning. Good morning, Bill. Good How, morning. Hey, it's uh, it's great having you in here. Yes, sir. Excited to be here. Oh, we, we're gonna we're gonna have some fun. So, uh, where we're gonna go here, what we're gonna be talking about is the whole issue of of getting people involved in advertising, and then the whole thing about sales automation, which is going to be taking it beyond having a good CRM. So, with that, uh, Patrick's an authority on that, or he wouldn't be here. So, <laughs> you lead. Sure, Bill. I appreciate that, but. Uh, I know as Mike, I'm filling in for Mike today, our owner and trainer here, and I'm actually the SOB, which is the son of the boss. Oh, I, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's better than my F. <laughs> but last time Mike was on, y'all discussed uh, how we need to know the benefits of our product and service offerings and the pains, problems, and frustrations it really alleviates for our customers. And more importantly, we need to understand how our offerings are affecting the profitability or the bottom line of that customer whether it's reducing expenses, eliminating downtime, or increasing revenues, you know, we, we need to understand those things. In addition, y'all covered customer development or going deeper and wider within these existing customers to increase the profitability. And at Sandler, we believe as sales professionals, uh, it's our responsibility to strive to understand what the customer or prospect needs before they even, before they even know they need it. Yeah, and, you're, and uh, Mike and I have talked about this, almost said your dad, Mike and I talked about this a lot uh, about the, how you become that trusted advisor sure. is that you have the time to do the market research because if you're going to sell to somebody, you got to know what's going on because you got to have something to sell against. And many times the business owners are so consumed with the moment mm-hmm. that they're not paying attention to what's going on. So you come in with data they've never heard. Right. Suddenly, you're kind of like their market intelligence arm. Right. We call that latent pain or hidden pain that they didn't know they had but it existed and that you mentioned it how we become that trusted or strategic advisor is bringing those those solutions those values to overcome some of those Mm -hmm. challenges that that they didn't see and very important and how we do that at sandler you know telling is not selling we're about helping the customer discover maybe those hidden pains and the way we do that is through crafted questions Mm -hmm and really good third-party stories that they can relate to and helps them discover. And, and speaking of those stories that people can relate to, we're going to move into our advertisement involvement, meaning, hey, the company ensures it does not overpromise and underliver by including employees in the development of advertising. Okay. Right. And, and, and that's critical because think about what happens on all organizations. Even in a smaller company, you get somebody to do the marketing, and uh, they put together this campaign, 
they don't vet it with the sales force, then it's out there. And then the sales force encounters your marketing campaign while they're in front <laughs> of either an existing account right. or a new account. And so it may be wise at some part of the process to have them involved, if nothing more, to tell them what they're going to be encountering when they get out there. Right. I mean, and let's face it here, Bill, sales, marketing, advertising, we're all working towards a single aim, which is revenue generation for the company, right? That's right. And it only makes sense that we're operating on the same platforms. We're collaborating to create that message. And, you know, what happens is having those employees from the front lines and internal departments involved in the development of those advertising and marketing initiatives is vital for a consistent message throughout the customer life cycle. So when they're involved in that development, it reduces the chances of a, like you were mentioning, a fragmented message um, that's not relevant to the customer or prospect or the sales rep is blindsided by a question that, they, that he had no idea where it was coming from. And, and that can really disrupt the sale. It can create brand distortion. And, and so that, those things we can run into if we're not, we don't have everyone involved creating that message. Right, and, and I think the sales force has some real sensitivity to how, is the, how are they representing the brand in the field. Sure. So if the, if the advertising of the marketing campaign let's say, mm-hmm. is out of sync with that, that's invaluable information. Right. I mean, and the folks on the front line, I mean, it doesn't have just to be sales folks. It can be technicians. It can be delivery. Anybody that's touching your customer, they have the real insights of what's going on in that business. So if we're not connected from internally that's creating that message, you know, we're going to have a gap there, which could be critical and, and really dilute our brand and no one wants that when we're trying to get to the next level or become that industry leader it's important that we have that really clear brand perception that consistent relevant message throughout the entire customer experience and remember marketing has two functions one is to create a brand identity so when people are thinking about making a purchase your name pops to the top of the list and so which means no cold calls and two you can convert leads into contracts sure or sales Sure. Yeah, it really, and having that streamlined or cohesive message, like you mentioned, can shorten the sales cycle. That's another benefit of it. Oh, yeah. And it really shorten it, and it enhances the buyer buyer experience and creates that superior experience, which in today's environment, you know, our our functions are centered around the, center mm-hmm. around the prospect or the customer. Right. <clears throat> so when we have to, so to get this done, Bill, in my opinion, there a lot of terms come to mind as far as buzzwords, right. market trends, like sales and marketing alignment pops up. Uh, that's a good one. Sales enablement pops up. Okay. You know, and when we're talking sales marketing alignment, it's when both departments work closely together by sharing insights and collaborating to create that superior customer experience. And the sales enablement side of things, this, I mean, there's a lot of dif- definitions out mm-hmm. there people blogging about the topic and so forth. But how I see it as sales enablement is the ability by any sales rep to systematically deliver a personalized one-on-one customer experience that delivers the right sales materials at the right time from any given platform. I see. So what you're saying then, Pat, is that uh, we're talking about this advertising marketing campaign kind of being an umbrella, but then the salesperson who knows their accounts very well can figure out what pieces of this will have the greatest resonance with their clients sure. and kind of target it. Right, oh, right. So, yeah. so I, I, I never thought of that. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, when you look at the trends that are going on is that we need to stop operating in our own little silos 
and start collaborating together to share insights from the front line to ensure we're not over-promising and under-delivering. Right. So the front line employees, they must collaborate to create that seamless, cohesive message. And and just as part of an integral, integral part of bringing everyone together, Bill, is to create that better customer experience or that unified advertising message or brand message is the structure that's in place. Right. Right. And I know you're all talking about KPIs with Linda earlier and so forth. And when we're talking about the structure, we're specifically relating that to the sales automation mm-hmm. and the customer relationship management software, better known as our CRM. Yeah. So we need to have that data, a really strong uh, data there so we can leverage for insightful business decisions and initiatives. So it, it, tell me, at, uh, at Focus Business, what do you guys use? Well, Because I know this is one of your major roles with the company. Right. Tell me how you go about this. Well, you know, I'm not as automated as I should be, Bill. I'm going to okay. be straight up. Well, neither am I. In other words, right now I'm doing a bunch of tweets using LinkedIn to go to Twitter and to Facebook, right. and I really ought to have these on Hootsuite. Right. But I kind of like this idea of here I am, I'm doing this real, and the real time is we're talking. Uh-huh. So I kind of get off on it, but you're right. Right. Hootsuite, HubSpot comes to mind, but really, and there's also Nimble. And there's, there's, yeah. so, so, which Nimble is, is really a social CRM, which it's really live business data. It's real time. So, so they've upped their game. I played with them a couple years ago uh, when they first came out. A good friend of ours who's an expert in CRM, Ben Meredith. Sure. Uh, ben got me onto Nimble. Uh huh. Yeah. And a lot of these things integrate into your existing CRM, whether it's Act, whether it's Microsoft Dynamics, mm-hmm. Salesforce. The list goes on and on, and right. Goldmine, Zoho, and the, and some of these companies have those sales automation things that fit into it. But there's a lot of these other um, platforms like Hootsuite, HubSpot that will plug right into that. Right, and uh, what we're talking about now is something that is browser based, and right. so you don't have to you don't have to you, you have to pay something, but you just get there on your browser. Uh huh. Uh huh. And yeah. then and Mike's often reference the constant sales improvement triangle which is what we use with clients and the base of that triangle strategy and the next level up is structure and and that's what we're talking about here the structure to manage that data and you know as the market and business becomes more data driven Mm -hmm. companies realize especially industry leaders that five percent that a data focused business strategy is imperative right and and with CRMs or customer relationship management tools, you, history shows us that sales teams, there's sometimes there's some pushback there. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, they, you know, the sales guys a lot of times are anti-technology. Right. Not, not that they're Luddites because they certainly will play with it at home. Uh-huh. But they're, they're kind of like, no, I got to get in front of people and I got to sell them. No disagreement, but. Right. And, and so ad- adoption rates, you know, can be low and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And they find a lot of owners say there's poor data out there and so forth, but really what sales automation can do and take maybe a 15%, that 15% of companies that's trying to get to the next level is add some automation in there, make things more streamlined for the sales team, make it easier for them to focus on revenue generating activities instead of that busy work of inputting tasks, tracking all their calls, those KPIs, that you were mentioning with with, uh, with Linda, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it helps companies manage their reps and their activities and reduce the likelihood that leads are falling through the cracks. Um, 
taking out those activities, those things that sales reps don't like to do that takes them away from those uh, revenue generating activities. Yeah, right. So we just got to be sensitive to, they got to do some, um, but, right. but if they're spending more time doing admin than selling then we got something wrong with our system. Right. Of course. Sure. Um, so choosing the right Salesforce automation or CRM is really going to depend on the size of your company mm-hmm. and what you all have talked about before, what's your sales model or your sales process look yeah. like? Um, so that's going to really depend on where you're looking at. And as far as you, you ask the question, what do we use? Um, you know, I use a, a tool through HubSpot, which helps automate my email into my CRM. And it's actually a little freaky because it will tell me who's opened the email, when they opened it, what they looked at and where. That's not freaky. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I was on the, I was on a, uh, WebEx with someone from HubSpot, and she was she's like, "Oh, you use that tool?" She's like, "Pretty scary, huh?" Oh yeah, <laughs> well it is when 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 you look at the data that it can provide you. Right, right. So I mean, the automation part is is can be that linchpin or a key to getting to the next level, really, because CRMs can be a struggle for a lot of companies. But the data is so vital. The metrics we need to know what's working and what's not working. That's right. And, 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 and I can tell you, as a vice president of a company, uh, three to four days a week, I must have sales forecast. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have a CRM that's collecting data, I don't have anything that's really accurate. And that makes me very grouchy on Monday morning when we have a meeting and the sales guy goes, well, I didn't get to it. Yeah. That didn't go well. Well, and you have that, they don't get to it. And then other, the other side of that is that they're putting in bad data or they're putting in deals that they're not rooted in reality. We call those sales forecasts that are stories of fiction. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I track I track opportunity. So right. if you do that and your and your opportunity is like, well, we're closing about ten percent of the opportunities. That typically will get my attention. Right. Yeah, and um, and that's and that's what I like to use a lot with my CRM and automation is the opportunity right. pipeline. Where are we at in the sales process? What's going to happen next? And more importantly, and where I like to start is where did that lead come from? Yeah. That's another important metric. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, So all good stuff. I mean, CRM is one of those things that the data is huge now, and we need to be leveraging it. And we need to track that to understand what we're going to be doing as far as having those insights to create those great advertisement messages, to create that nurturing process. And then once we get in front of them, do we have the right stuff to get it done? What's the what's the uh, one piece of advice that you would give? Um, my one piece of advice would be to figure out what metrics you need to track and start doing it and look at the market. There's a lot of different, if you're a smaller business, there's a lot of different tools out there that you can implement pretty easily into your existing uh, management of your data. Okay. Patrick, thanks a lot, man. How do we get a hold of you? Well, you can find us on focusbusiness.sandler.com, which is our mm-hmm. website. We have a blog on there with a lot of content, white papers and so forth, as well as you can reach us by phone, 804-217-9507. And, of course, you can always go to the resources section of richmondbizlive.com. You'll see, very shortly, see Patrick's picture, <laughs> along with Mike's, and you just click it, and it'll take you right to the website. So. Thanks, Patrick. Hey, thanks, Bill. Yeah, looking forward to doing more shows with you. Yes, sir. And this is richmondbizlive.com, and we'll be right back.
Hello, I'm Linda Heath, President of Financial Holographics and your Chief Business Analyst. Our accounting and finance experts solve business mysteries for CEOs. 80% of private companies are struggling. Only 5% have it made. Where are you? Join me Saturday mornings at Richmond Biz Live for live answers to your nagging questions. Sponsored by Financial Holographics, where you don't have to know what to ask for to get what you need. Hello, I'm William Eastman. You know me as the executive producer of Richmond Biz Live. In my other role as managing partner of the GrowthWorks, I spend time helping business owners get their companies on track and paying them back for years of investment and sacrifice. However, before I can make the necessary changes, you must answer the following question. Where are you? In our research, we have identified three types of small business, 80% that are just getting by, 15% who are doing okay but wondering what's next, and then there's the 5% who dominate a market or a niche, and what they're wondering is, how do I break out? So I pose the question to you. Where are you? If you want to understand this question and the significance of the answer better, go to our membership site, growthworks.net, and download our paper on Where Are You? Learn how to move from the 80% to the 15 and from the 15 to the 5%. This level of success and profitability is within your reach. Gain the advantage over your competitors by downloading it today. And we're back. This is Richmond Biz Live on WLE News Talk 990. And this is William Eastman, your host for the show, and I have the, I have the thought leader job here for this segment on customer service. And my, uh, my street cred on this is I've designed a number of customer service packages. In fact, you probably read the book, Raving Fans, about 20 years ago. I'm part of that crew. So we, uh, we took that book, we turned that into a consulting practice, and made a considerable amount of money talking about the three secrets in Raving Fans, basically service is all about number one figuring out what you want to do what you want to create then number two figuring out what the customer wants and then number three making it happen but always plussing it by one percent in other words just a little bit more a little bit more a little bit more the best service companies are not tremendously better at any one event they're incrementally better at everything and pretty soon when you take those one percents those plus ones as we call them you begin to build a a uh, cadre, you build a reputation, and you build a capacity to do great work. So anyway, here's my recommendation for you. If you haven't been to the website today, go to the website right now. That's richmondbizlive.com. When you get there, click on the resources seg uh, segment, and then you'll see do-it-yourself resources items you can use. You'll see two items up there. One is customer enthusiasm job app from show 15 on 20 July. If you haven't downloaded that, download that because it's something you're going to need if you're going to improve your service. For today's show, I have a, I added a second one this morning, creating a service recovery strategy uh, from this show. This is show 21 on the 23rd of August. You need both of those for the following conversation. My two items are issues for today. One is uh, recovery as a service strategy, and number two, service and operations. Um, so, let me take the service and operations because I think that one will be a little bit easier. What I mean in service and operations is simply is the, the amount of service that you provide internal to the organization is going to be exactly equal to the service on the outside. One of the things that we've learned over the years is that if there's bad internal service, what do you think is going to happen on the outside? Because the outside is a sum total of all the inside. And so if we don't, if departments within the organization don't service each other, um, 
then we can't serve as customers. Or let me change that around a little bit, is that we go to the customer service people and say, here's the service I got to provide now to these individuals or to our clients, I should say, excuse me. This is what we got to do. Then when they turn around and they look inside, there isn't a damn soul in the company. I can get away with that, right? That's is that's not one of Carlin's band eight words. All right, good. Because I already got hammered on that F thing. And by the way, if you missed any of the show, I really didn't swear. I was just using F as a figure of speech for finances. Anyway, uh, but if if there is no service inside the company, that's exactly what the customer is going to experience. So the way that you look at this chain of events is you work your way backwards from the customer service person or that position to where where does the service or product or whatever it is that we're working on, where was it before it got to the customer? And you ask yourself two questions. You got roles and responsibilities of both parties. And so what is the responsibility of one party? So, for example, if I the final step in our process is installation, so what is the responsibility of the installation team? What are they supposed to do? And you have a list of those. Okay. All right. Now, what responsibility to the installation team, what do, responsibilities do they have to the organization? You know, such as data, keeping us informed, etc. Then we look at the step prior to them and we ask the same question. And so what happens is that one group's responsibilities is the other is the other group's uh, basically requirements that they need to make because this is kind of a simpatico relationship. If I'm expected to do this, then I need this type of help. And if you're going to help me, there's things that I got to do for you because a lot of times inside the company, when I try to help somebody else, they make it providing them providing help absolutely impossible. And so if you go up on the website and you download this, I'm going to be taught. I've got a, a real piece laid out on this. But it just basically says that you look at each step in the process and you say to yourself, what is the responsibility that the, that, that step has to the customer? And then what responsibility does that step have upstream to the person who worked before them? And you work your way backwards through the organization until you get it worked out. This will help you provide the same level of service inside as outside because what I'm advocating here is not to make outside service equal, uh, equal inside service because then guess what? We're going to suck. But rather what I'm talking about is providing internal, we're providing what we do externally for customers to keep customers, to keep them buying, to keep them happy, to provide that service inside the organization to all the people who are in this production chain. And again, you don't have to be in manufacturing to have a production chain. If, you, if you're a company that provides services, you still got to provide, you still got to make those services, you still got to populate it with people. So that is the issue of service as an operational issue. The other one on services recovery, and I hit on this on the last show, but I'm going to go in more detail right now. And that is, is that the companies with the best recovery strategies are almost always the companies with the best service reputations. And so what I mean by that, if you have company A and company B, and company A is 100% correct all the time, they never make any defects. And what they do, they brand, their brand is we, we, we provide great customer service. You got company B that every once in a while, because they're human, they screw up. So let's say 95% of the time, you never have a complaint, but 5% of the time you do. And, and let me put the big and, put it in capitals, that their recovery, how they recover from the mistake, they do it in a way that you as the customer felt like you won. In other words, this mistake did not go against you. Actually, this mistake worked in your favor. 
which of the two companies has a better service reputation? Now, since you can't, unless you call me in, call up right now at 844-249-5483. That's uh, 844-249-5483. You can't answer that. That's rhetorical. Okay, so my rhetorical question is the company at the at the 95% is always going to win the cust- is the service reputation because they have a because they have a recovery strategy where the customer wins and the customer doesn't believe that you provide great customer service until you have provided an you have provided an example of great customer service. Now, how do I do the recovery strategy? Well, here's some simple rules. Rule number 1 it has to be done by the front line. It can't be done by anybody else in the organization. If they've got to run the management, then then you basically you've lost the opportunity. So it's got to be done by the frontline person. How do I do that? Number two is that I provide the frontline person with a solution space. And what I mean by a solution space is I define how far they can go before they got to go to somebody in management. So I give them a dollar figure. I give them a, a refund figure. I give them a, a remediation figure, a return figure. In other words, we think through all the possibilities here, and we say, okay, here is the deal. If it's within this space here, if you don't go outside of that. You don't offer the following. Handle it any way you want. The third thing you got to do is put into their heads, that, and I'm talking about the customer service people, is that your job is not to give anything away because there's a tendency when there's a mistake to give it away. What you want to do is you want to engage the customer and find out what would take to make it right. Because, Mike, here, here's what happens. If you automatically give it away as a way of dealing with the customer service problem, then what you train customers to do is to basically always complain so they get something for free. Right now, we're working with two large, i got to be careful how I say this, two very large companies who are in the home... Um, uh, home construction, home supply business. You can probably draw up what I'm talking about. One of those companies has an excellent customer service strategy for recovery. Unfortunately, they don't train their salespeople or the customer service people um, to ask the type of questions. So what they basically do is they just give stuff away. Now, I have two problems with it. One is I'm on the other end of that because typically they're giving stuff away and then they're coming to me going, well, we just, we just gave them this refund or we're just going to redo this or that for them without having our input into it, which is out of our pocket. But number two is that their customer service people don't probe. They don't talk to the customer. They don't talk to them about what it would take to put it right. What they automatically do is just give it away. And now, in fact, there's a website around one of these companies that if you go to that website, it will tell you how to scam them. How to, go, how to basically buy something there and then get it for free because they're not executing that strategy very well. So you have two choices. You can pick the one that you want to go to. So the idea on, on recovery, one is it's got to be done by the front line. Number two, you've got to give them a sense for what the solution space is if they need to go there. Number three, you've got to get them to question and not automatically give it up. And then number four, what you want them to do is treat it like a quality problem create a service ticket, or in our case, if you're using any type of uh, CRM software, it would be a, a case, a customer complaint or case, and record what that is because you want to look for the pattern. But all of the companies have great service reputations. Are very One is that they do recovery very well, and number two is they're very, very smart about how they execute it. And so that's my two, and if you go to the website, richmondbizlive.com, 
you click on resources, you see it under do-it-yourself resources, ideas you can use. Download those too. Okay, so what about this week? Well, what we got this week was, you know, Linda talking about KPIs. And um, we'll probably do a segment on strategy before long, and we'll probably drill down on that a little bit more. Then number two is that uh, Patrick talked about advertising, and he talked about automating your sales process as much as possible, making it easy for the salespeople. On the other hand, take advantage of technology. And then the last part is I talked about how to use service as a competitive strategy. And so uh, next week we will have uh, Andy Schulich in the studio uh, talking about productivity, and then I'll be dealing with performance and owners and executive. So with that, I wish everyone wealth, success, and prosperity. This is RichmondBizLive.com. Have a great day. Is it time for your business to pay it back? Hello, I'm William Eastman, executive producer of Richmond Biz Live. And if this is your challenge as a business owner, then don't miss a single show. Either listen live at 10 o'clock every Saturday on WLEE News Talk 990 or download our podcast at richmondbizlive.com. Every show, we tackle those issues in marketing, sales, people, customers, and finance that are limiting your success. If it's time to get paid back for your years of investment and sacrifice, join us this Saturday at 10 o'clock for Richmond Biz Live. This is Richmond's home for Money Talk with Bob